Where Murder Meets Mystery contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, girlfriends, let's take a walk down the street where Murder Meets Mystery, a podcast exploring the murderous, the mysterious, and everything that lies beyond the beyond. I'm Grace. And I'm Trevor, and I guess we just started over a minute. <laughs> we we had started, and then it was just awkward, and we like made jokes that we shouldn't have made, and it was just like really weird. So we yeah. the, the clips on the editing room floor were just piling up and piling True. up until we were up to our waist, and then we True. Said, you know what the past eight minutes didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, and our waists are at different heights, so that's weird. Yeah. Can you imagine if they were the same? <laughs> How weird that would be. Because uh, well, your legs would depends. have to be like super short. Yeah, it depends on which way. If you if your waist was up towards my waist, then you'd be a model. And then if my waist was down to your waist, then I would just look like an extremely long torsoed freak. No, you know what I would be like. I'm a long torsoed freak. I'm built like a guinea pig. Hold on, let me see. Well, then you'd look normal. I. You know what I would look like <laughs> is. <laughs> That's mean. Is this, this is what I would look like. You would look like, yeah, the, the family guy. <laughs> family guy, Peter Griffin. That bit when where he's all small like... leg. It's just a head with legs. Uh, anyway, cool friends, we're back. <laughs> we chaotic back. start. But Trevor, you had some baby showers this last week. I did. Tell I did. me about we had, it. We had two baby showers and honestly, we did them both at home which is like a three-hour drive away and the so molly had went with us and scarlet and i so but we all we both drove separate so we had two cars and we filled up both of those cars like just full stuff and came back and tried to fit it in the house and it's taken see i think that was maybe two weeks ago baby showers were I can't remember, but it's it's been a whole week, but it's taken us a while to get everything just packed away and tucked into like tiny corners and moving stuff around and all that stuff. Yesterday, Scarlett and I, uh, I got up in the attic and then it was like probably 11 o'clock and it was already hot. So, so crazy hot because, you know, it's July. So in Schwartz, Carolina. Yeah, it's probably <clears throat> already like 87 at that point. And yeah. then I got up there and she, she just kept laughing at me because we have to get up via ladder. And so she was walking some stuff up the ladder to me and I'm like leaning down into down the hole and sweat is just pouring off me. <laughs> it's like four or five drops of sweat at a time. Yeah. And she's like, stop sweating all over me. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I, I can't. Like rolling down um, my nose, dripping off my cheeks like that's crazy. marriage. Stuff. Well, you're yeah. a sweaty guy. Well, I mean, you put me in like 110 degrees. I'm sweating when it's 60 degrees. I don't, I can't even tell you. I like, I'm born to live in like the polar regions. Like, cause I'm just constantly drenched in sweat. Like, oh, I had an epiphany while I was up there. I was like, why did people buy saunas when they can just like crawl up in their attic and just sit there? That is a good point. Cause I mean. That's a shower thought. And you had it. If you want steam, sure. You might do that, but you can take some hot rocks up there with you. Hot rocks, yeah, eat them up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I singed my hand on my seatbelt 
when I was oh, getting good. in my car. So my car has black seats, so it gets hot. Leather seats, so it gets hot. And I had the seatbelt. I was reaching just blindly for the seatbelt. Because who looks when they're getting their seatbelt? I don't know. Click it or ticket, girlfriends. That's anyway, right. Look I, if you need to. I grabbed the buckle part mm-hmm. of it, and I burnt my fingertips. Like, I, like... Because it was, it was probably windows. 115 degrees in my car. Something like that, probably. Right? You need your windows tinted. Oh, do I? Like, a, like a government? Oh, could you? No, I said that could help. I don't know oh. how to do it. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, but you do most of the t- You know what? We're off topic. No, nah, no. Nah. My week I mean, was I, good. I home improvement, <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to tint windows. That seems too meticulous. My, like, uh... Probably like curse. My windows are tinted. Nice. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but it'd still be hot in there, man. You gotta, get, you gotta get the remote start or something. I don't know. I'm trying to fix it. I have the remote ball. start. I can't figure it out. So Move that you can Russia. do for me. Move, Move to, to Siberia. Russia. Yeah, that's where I need to go. Yeah. And Drive your can... car all the way to Siberia. Yeah. Anyway, my week was good. Yeah? Yeah. I went to see the Barbie movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. I went and saw Oppenheimer. Oh, Oppenheimer. yeah? Wow. Oppenheimer? Opie. And together Opie. we saw Barbenheimer. Together we did. And yes. uh, Oppenheimer was good. I give it a solid 9 out of 10. I didn't look at my phone once for like the time because I knew it was long. And I was like, "There's gonna there may be a mo- moment where I'm like, all right, how much of this shit's left? Yeah. No, it wasn't like that. It was really cool. I went and saw the Mission Impossible movie, which was very confusing. We've been on a movie kick lately, me and my family. We used to go to the movie theaters all the time, and we stopped going. Bring it back. But we went and saw the movie, the Mission Impossible movie, and it was so confusing. Yeah. So hard to follow. And then we also saw Indiana Jones, and that that movie was like an hour and a half too long. It was like almost four hours long. Mm. And it was like a fucking Avengers movie, like crazy long. And I had, or Lord of the Rings. And I checked my watch probably like 10 times where I was like, is this still happening? The opening scene was 45 minutes. Yeah. I I usually allow myself one of those before I'm like, you know, this movie's probably too long and I'm not impatient, but like if, if you're captivated and you're like interested in it, then chances are you're not even thinking about like what time it is. Correct. Like and the so Barbie like, if, movie, if I didn't think about If a movie can do it. that, then I'm like, okay, well, it's a pretty decent movie if it's long. Yeah, the Barbie movie, I didn't think about it. Sorry, I'm getting some. I'm getting my glasses. My head's hurting. Um, I don't know where my other ones are, so I'm gonna wear my my old ones. Yeah, is the Barbie movie like for kids or no? No. I figured. I would it, say. It, what, it I wouldn't. think it has like, an R. Can watch rating. it, but it's like, oh, it does. Yeah, I think so, just because of language. But um, um, usually it's like three F-bombs worn in our rating, doesn't it? I, I don't know. I don't know the threshold. I don't know. I don't know the rating, like but that's my a assumption. A couple of swear words, but I don't know which ones. <laughs> Cunt. PG-13. <laughs> yeah, big, big yeah. words. Yeah, no, cunts, cunts are an R-rated. Yep, you just you just rated our podcast. Yeah, three times. Well, I already marked it as explicit, so yeah, we're true. covered. Anyway, hey, we should get into it. <laughs> hey, <We're good. clears throat> 
Because so, you got a two-parter. I do have a two-parter. I don't know if I said that now or in the edit we made previous, but... I don't case, know. That's okay. Join us I now. I have a two-parter. In this yeah. live studio audience podcast. Cool friends, we have a two-parter murder case. <laughs> we do, yes. So today's part one. I probably didn't need to say that, but <laughs> today's part one. We're going to be talking about Robert Wan. W-O-N-E. But it's Wan. Oh, Wan. Okay. And this like one's how some people pronounce one. Crazy. Yeah. And fuck that. Fuck that. Like, My yeah, dad I won the tournament. And you're like, Ugh. no. I'm like, fuck off. You won the tournament. You're an asshole. I hate when people <laughs> say that. I hate that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Robert Eric Wan was described as good to talk to, kind to everybody, witty and smart. He went like to me. public school. Yeah. And like you. Great timing, too. <laughs> He went to Catholic school, was a good student, and in high school got interested in politics. Like you. Yes. He went to (laughs) William and Mary for his undergraduate degree. Like me. Oh, my God. There was a secret society at William and Mary called the 13 Club, which is not related to the 27 Club, which is where Robert met one of his oldest friends, Joe Price, and two other close friends. Joe was a senior in college and Robert was a freshman and they instantly got along. Joe was on the track to become a lawyer when they met. And after Robert graduated, he became one as well. Cool. Robert. (laughs) So did they go to lawyer school? Yeah. Yeah. They both went to law school. Yeah. They went to Um, lawyer school to become lawyers. Lawyer school. Yes. They went to attorney school. (laughs) Robert meets his wife, Kathy, in 2002 when he's an associate at a law firm and he marries her shortly after. They actually, their romance was described as whirlwind, which, wow, you know, a lot of people say, say that. Honestly, a bunch of, I mean, spoiler alert, but a bunch of murderers be having wives named Kathy. Spoiler alert. Are you talking about the staircase? No, I'm just saying in general, I feel like, and maybe this is just... Maybe I'm, I'm I'm completely bullshitting here, but honestly, I think most murderers have married women. Oh, murderers. Hmm. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Robert is not the murderer. He's the murdery. Same thing. Okay. Never mind. Um, but well, yeah. what's her name from the staircase? I think her name was Kathy. Yeah, but basically I just proved myself wrong. And then that's true. But a lot of Kathy, know. the name Kathy is closely linked to a lot of cases, I feel like. Yeah. Because I was just watching a murder victim named Kathy. I was watching the documentary. And then I was watching another one, Sister Kathy Sesnick, which is a crazy case that I'll cover eventually. So, Um, yeah. Cool friends, if your name's Kathy, watch your back. Yeah. I don't think anyone named Kathy is listening to our podcast. They're probably busy being 56. No. (laughs) You don't think so? Okay. Kathy's a nice name. Anyway, it is. I didn't say it wasn't. I just said it's kind of old. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but it's not like um, Dolores. <clears throat> or Guinevere. Betty. Uh, Betty. Beatrice. Um, let's see. So Robert got a job as general counsel at Radio Free Asia, a United States government-funded private nonprofit news service that has the stated mission of providing accurate and uncensored reporting to countries in Asia that have poor media environments and limited protections for press freedom and freedom of speech. It's a mouthful. Wow. Yeah, that's from their Wikipedia page. So they had they had a specific 
mission to help countries like China with censorship laws. Um, and a lot of those countries are in Asia. So they were helping them to have unbiased access to news. It makes sense. Yeah. So Robert moves to a suburb in Virginia with his wife, Kathy, and they both worked for the city in the city commuting every day. Joe Price even hosted Robert's surprise 30th birthday party at his house. And this just illustrates how close of friends they were. And Joe lived in DC with two other roommates, which I'll talk about. So cool friends, you may be wondering why we're here. I mean, where can this story take us? Such a young man with a flourishing career, happy marriage, and promising future. Well, the answer is dark and twisty, ghoul friends. Let's fast forward a few months. Not dark a and little... twisty. <clears throat> yes, I have a frog in my throat. Sorry. <coughs> Ew. <clears throat> okay. It's a little after 11.45 p.m. on August 2nd, 2006, when a 911 call... Why are you laughing? I'm talking about a 911 call. A man well, is dead, Trevor. Hopefully a little you just decor. us both coughing our lungs out. I do. I will. <coughs> Ugh, I have like phlegm. Ugh. Okay. You have to Shout do like a hard phlegm. swallow. Shout out to phlegm. My boy, and my boy, swallow. <coughs> locked up since 2012. <laughs> that was so stupid. It's terrible. Cut it out. Okay. I don't want the anyway. coughing in there. So, okay. It's a little after 11.45 p.m. on August 2nd, 2006, when a 911 call comes in. The call is placed by Victor Zaborski, asking paramedics and police to respond to the home he shares with Joe Price and their boyfriend, Dylan. This is a polyamorous relationship. So oh, okay. the three of them are a thruple. I was like, there. I was like, yes. ooh, how do yes. I unpack that? I was like, is that, is that a pronoun choice or is that like them all? Or no, they all, it's, they, it's they all. They all have the okay. same boyfriend. Get it. It's a multi-million dollar townhouse in D.C., by the way. Their wow. friend, Robert Wan, had been staying with them. He had arrived at the house at approximately 10.30 p.m. on August 2nd, 2006. And 79 minutes later, Victor tells dispatchers his friend is dead. Oh, so we're going to talk about kind of the events following that. And we don't really know about the events leading up to it. So I have the 911 call, and, or at least part of it from the documentary. It's from the documentary. So you're going to hear music in the background, but I'm going to link the whole call in the <laughs> Peter Griffin. <laughs> hey, there he is again. I'm going to link the whole call in the show notes. Um, but I am going to play a little bit of it for you here. On the 911 call, by the way, for anyone who decides to listen to the full audio, you'll notice that the paramedic, or not the paramedic, the dispatcher keeps saying, remain calm, ma'am. And okay, I'm sending help, ma'am. And Victor is a man. He identifies as a male. So I'm not really sure. He he has a slightly feminine voice, but I'm, I don't understand why the dispatcher continues to say it i don't know whatever i don't know sometimes sometimes if you've ever in if you've ever been in that situation where you just don't correctly guess if it's a man or a woman and they're you like you gotta I'm stick a man, with your guns i'm a woman yeah and if they don't say that then you, I, you just pick a pick a That's pronoun true. pick a gender and you kind of stick with it until someone says hey listen <laughs> yeah. yeah so i am in fact 
a man. Why did they, why did he, I don't understand why he didn't correct her. You could see, you or you could tell, like, he kind of paused a few times, and they cut it out of the documentary, but I just felt in the interest of disclosure, if you think you clicked on the wrong one, it is the right one. <laughs> huh. Their friend Robert Wan had been staying with them. He had arrived to the house at approximately 10.30 p.m. on August 2nd, 2006. 79 minutes later, Victor says his friend is dead. So we're going to play the 911 call for you right now. Trev? The audio quality is obviously shit, like, because it's a recording of a recording of a recording. So, like, <laughs> it's going to be crappy. But I, I can make it out because I know what's in it. Cool friends, if you had any trouble understanding, we'll kind of walk through the different parts of it. So the first thing you hear is that he says, we have a stabbing here. Oh, okay. Which is weird because yeah. it's his friend. The next thing he says is that someone came in, someone was in our house, evidently. Evidently, someone was here and stabbed our friend. Evidently. And then didn't say anything about his friend being dead, even though when they got there, he was obviously dead. Yeah, that's wild. Um, Evidently, someone came and killed this man. Yeah. And then there's this random change in his voice. So he goes like, she goes, oh, who who do you know who did this who's in your house and he's like we didn't know who did we don't know who did this it's just like ra- oh. this random shift in his voice which is very strange yeah. and then the weirdest part to me is at the very end did you hear what she what he asked the parent the dispatcher no he said what time is it oh isn't that weird that is weird yeah and this is 2006 so this is the first iPhone's out. <laughs> yeah, it's lots of... Uh, all the phones uh, have a not clock. Not a good... Yeah, all the phones have a clock and also not a good, like... Not a good now on one call. Yeah, this would later be used to kind of dismantle their story and say, like, he is clearly trying to establish his alibi. Yeah, and like, why are you being so weird, dude? Very weird. And so... It just gets weirder from here. So the responding paramedics arrive five minutes later. Talk about response time. And immediately notice something unsettling. On the call, Victor was hysterical, but the EMTs arrive and it's a very different story. Jeff Baker was the responding EMT that night. And here's what he remembers. Joe Price answers the door wearing a white bathrobe and appearing freshly showered. He tells Jeff, stabbing on the second floor. His head is down, his eyes are closed, and he's turned away. That gives me chills already. So weird. This probably would not have seemed that odd. People respond to shock in different ways, were it not for what came next. When the paramedic heads upstairs to the guest bedroom, the townhouse, by the way, is three levels. Okay. I didn't include a um, 
a picture on the drive. Yeah. But, um, the first level, the bottom floor is like the living area, the kitchen on the second floor is the guest bedroom and Dylan Ward's bedroom, who is one of the thruple. And then Victor and Joe, who are the main two in the partnership are lit sleep on the third story. Okay. So Robert and Dylan are on the second story. The, uh, Joe and Victor are on the top story. So the paramedic heads up the stairs to the guest bedroom on the second floor. This was the crime scene after all, but he notices a man standing in the bedroom, facing the top of the stairs, a towel tied around his waist. He's staring at Jeff. It's Dylan Ward. So Dylan Ward is standing there staring at him. Wow. And when the paramedic addresses him, what's going on? He says, Dylan gets up and shuts the door. Hmm. Then the paramedic goes into the bedroom to find the third occupant of the house, Victor Zaborski, sitting on the bed in his underwear, his back facing Jeff. He simply says, I heard a scream, and he stands up and steps aside, all the while his back is to Jeff. Weird. Jeff approaches the victim, 32-year-old Robert Wan, and notices something that makes the hair stand up on the back of his neck. There is no blood. Oh, no blood around Robert, no blood on Robert, no blood on the bed underneath Robert. Jeff Baker said it appeared that Robert had been stabbed, showered and placed in the bed. Ooh, it gives me goosebumps everywhere. Authorities would later theorize that the lack of blood on the scene and around Juan suggested that it had been cleaned up or that Juan had been moved. When Robert is placed in the ambulance, Jeff can make out several surgical incisions Quote, something a doctor would do. Ew. Robert Wan is pronounced dead at 12.25 a.m. on August 3rd. Dang. Brian Wade was the lead detective, and when he arrives to the multi-million dollar townhome, he encounters Victor, Dylan, and Joe. Now, this is several minutes later. I, I don't know how much later. We can assume maybe an hour. Right. The cop shows up. He encounters Victor, Dylan, and Joe, now all in white bathrobes appearing <laughs> as if they had recently showered some even with wet slicked back hair detective wade says ah like they're just constantly showering well it could have been minutes could have been an hour but yeah yeah weird. i don't know right when they arrive joe starts talking but it was enough time for dylan and victor to change into robes because neither of them were wearing robes victor right. had a towel around his waist or i'm sorry dylan had a towel around his waist yeah Right when they arrive, Joe starts talking and he does not stop. His story is that someone broke in. They heard some grunts or maybe a low scream and they came upon Robert's body with three stab wounds on his chest. He said that earlier that evening, Robert had called him. Robert knew he'd have to work, work late and didn't want to wake Kathy up when he came back home. And there was a long train ride back to his house. Right. So he started reaching out to friends in the area to find a place to stay. And Joe was the first to respond. According to cell records, by the way, at 1024, Robert called Joe and arrived at his house around 1030, like I mentioned earlier. Joe asserts that this is the first time Robert has ever stayed the night at the townhouse. So this is like an unprecedented situation. Yeah. The four of them caught up and chatted after Robert arrived. Then Robert said, it's hot. It's August. He's sweating. He's going to go take a shower. And he goes upstairs where Victor and Dylan show him the guest bedroom. He then, they all say goodnight, they part ways. Joe and Victor go up to their bedroom on the third floor to watch 
the end of Project Runway, which the show ended at, at 11 o'clock. Okay. They watch the end of the show. They turn off the TV, go to bed. Joe, by the way, I have to go back for a second. So Victor and Dylan show Robert the guest room. And while they're doing that, Joe saw a spider in the kitchen and he caught it and then went out to the back patio to let it out. So that's where he was. Nice. Yeah. Solid. Okay. So yeah, rock solid there. That alibi. Joe was outside in the back of the property because he saw a spider. So they all say goodnight. Joe comes upstairs. They watch Project Runway. They turn it off. They go to bed. A little after they go to sleep, Joe hears the chime from the back door. And then immediately after they hear, or shortly after, they hear grunting and screams. Wow. They run downstairs and they see Robert laying there in the bed, dead. Joe says the knife was laying on Robert's chest. He would later, by the way, recent recent. He would later, by the way, recant this and testify that he took the knife out of Robert's chest. So two different stories. He picked up the knife and moved it regardless. And this is where police would find it later on the nightstand. He lifts up Robert's shirt and says his chest is covered in a lot of blood, none of which was found at the scene. So something happened and no one's talking. Joe yelled at Victor, call 911, and he runs upstairs to call, which is when the call comes in at 1149. Dylan wakes up at this point. He was not awake, by the way. So whatever's happening in the guest bedroom didn't wake up Dylan, who was on the same level. It woke up the two upstairs. So it doesn't make sense, right? And Dylan wasn't the one watching Project Runway. Right, exactly. So... Dylan wakes up at this point when he hears Joe and Victor yelling and he says something must have wrong, must be wrong. Somebody must have come in through the back door, which was unlocked. Dylan, uh, wait, the back door leads out, by the way, onto the back patio. There's a photo on the drive and I'll talk a little bit about that. And that's the spider releasing area, right? That's the spider releasing area. Yes. That's the second crime scene where the spider was killed. Gotcha. <laughs> so Dylan, let's see. So when the three are being interrogated on the couch in the living room, Dylan starts to say something. Joe shoots him a look and Dylan stops talking. So Detective Wade said he knew from that moment that Joe was in charge. The three roommates are transported downtown for interviews, and we'll talk about those in a second. Detective Wade walks upstairs to the crime scene. There are photos on the drive of that as well. There were just two bloodstains on the sheets by the time the cops arrive. On the floor, there is a towel with a small amount of blood. You can see it, them holding it up in picture B. And police suggest that the towel was used to wipe off the murder weapon. Next to the bed, there is a knife, like I mentioned, with just a little bit of blood on it. And that police determined came from a knife set in the kitchen. And I'll get to that so, later. So about the photos on the drive, the yeah. back patio is about the size of like a kitchen like it's, it's very it's small. small it's like yeah. fenced in with a yeah. gate along the back wall of the yeah. area it looks like kind of like a a city residence would um this townhome's probably in the middle of like town probably as yeah. townhomes are uh but the uh the backyard mm-hmm. is just kind of normal yeah it's just like it's like a terrace really is the better description but it's on the fr- the ground level right and key features of it is that there's a fenced 
it's a fenced in backyard, but yes. there is a gate. Yes. And locked. we'll talk the gate's about like six to eight feet fence. high. Yeah. The, so, um, the fence is seven feet. So yeah. Good call. So, and, and the, and the gate's the same. So it would be kind of a hard thing to like jump over, but if the door was unlocked or locked, it would, it would be a deterrent for sure. Yes. So the towel, the towel. Yes. So the towel they, uh, determined was used to wipe off the murder weapon. Right. Next and there's to like, the bed. and there's like, I mean, it's, it's a normal bath towel and it's like white and it's got like a, a few little spots Just of blood. Small. Over it. it looks like someone got a bloody nose. Yeah. It's yeah. not I'd, from I'd, three I'd stab like wounds. And I'll right. talk about like the lack of blood too, but one of the, the federal prosecutor, um, who tried the case says that he has seen crime scenes with one stab wound where the room looks like a slaughterhouse. So yeah. he says that's what's unnerving about this case and that is that the scene is pristine, inconsistent with a violent stabbing. My guess is that um, they killed him in the shower. Yeah. Killed him in the shower with curtain drawn or whatever and then they were able to like hose off the shower or like rinse down the shower. Yeah. And they killed him in there until, or they left him in there until um, they could clean him and then clean uh, up all the blood and stuff. And clean themselves. Yeah. Yep. And then afterwards, when they moved him to the bed, whatever was left of the blood that was going to drip out, right? Probably could have, but you know, if it being like how the paramedic had said that he felt like he was completely drained of blood, then they even, probably he probably bled almost completely out. Yeah, and even then, like, assume they they killed him. Assuming they killed him, like, let's say twenty minutes, they're sitting there chatting, they're catching up. He goes up to shower. Maybe that part's true, but then yeah. even then that allows them only 10, 40 minutes to commit the murder and clean up. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot, but I definitely think the shower's involved somehow. I don't yeah. see how else you could clean the crime scene. Yeah. yeah so ahead. next to the bed, there is a knife with just a little bit of blood on it. And police determined that this knife came from a knife set in the kitchen. And we'll get to the knife later because it's important. Robert's clothes are neatly folded at the end of the bed and nothing else is out of the ordinary. The back of the house is surrounded by a seven foot security fence deadbolted. There's a photo on the drive that Trevor was just talking about. Detective Wayne yep. says that the intruder theory was suspicious right away because the only way they could have gained access to the back patio was by scaling the seven foot fence. Furthermore, the intruder would have had to pass Dylan's bedroom to gain access to Robert's, assuming they were an opportunistic killer. Why do that? Why not just kill the first, go into the first bedroom you see? Right. You know they what I mean? Would, that would indicate that maybe they knew the target. Yeah. He goes out, um, oh, he goes out on the back patio with a flashlight and he notices cobwebs at the top of the fence that are not disturbed. Yeah. So, and there's no dirt disturbance either. Like no one jumped right. down. Even if you, exactly. If you, even if you got above the fence, you'd have to jump down and then land somewhere, yeah. somewhere on the ground. So it would be noisy as well as you probably would. If you did land in dirt, you'd leave yeah. the fence for sure. So, I mean, there are only two motives that are really possible. Three maybe for the intruder theory. One is a robbery, but there was no sign of a break in. And there was like, why, why not break in the front door or something where like, why scale the fence? It just seems like, like you're a cat burglar. I don't know. And then two yeah. is they knew Robert was staying there and they went in specifically to kill him. But then why not bring your own weapon? 
Right. And then three is they were just a random opportunistic killer and they went in to kill the first person they saw, but then why not kill Dylan? But also where'd all the blood go? Yes, exactly. So the federal prosecutor says that because the building is over 100 years old, if someone walked up or ran down the 16 wooden stairs, such as an intruder sneaking upstairs to stab Robert and then leaving, the loud right. creaking would have been audible throughout the entire house, but the men say they heard nothing but the muffled screams and the beep behind the door. Huh. If you're coming in to rob somebody, Detective Wade says, you're probably going to bring your own weapon. If you're coming in to kill somebody, you're probably going to bring your own weapon. You're not right. going to depend on the house having a butcher block in the kitchen conveniently waiting for you. The knife was found actually later in the autopsy. The knife was found to be too large to be used in the killing because it was too long. Oh, wow. And the blood on the knife didn't go up all the way to the hilt. Okay. So they don't think that it was used in the murder weapon. It was too wide and too long. So they oh. think it was staged. Meaning like the knife on the on the night tape, nightstand? Right, exactly. Tape? Yeah. Crazy. However... A missing knife from a cutlery set in Dylan's bedroom was the right size. No oh. such knife has ever been found. So we don't know what happened to the knife. White Wait, fibers. So, like it matched yeah. the set in his room, but then they didn't find the actual knife that had done Correct. the Correct. So they couldn't oh. prove it. And okay. later during the trial, Dylan's mother testifies that she has this, the knife and that she donated it. <laughs> So, I had the knife, but I, you know, gave it away. Yeah. So white fibers on the blade of the knife would support, would appear to support this theory. It did not contain fibers from Robert's gray t-shirt, only from the towel that was used to wipe it down. Wow. The police investigation found that Robert, he had either been restrained or injected with a paralytic drug that were, as there were puncture marks found on his body. Oh. But drugs like succinylcholine are not traceable after death so they don't really know what agent was used but they do suspect that's why there's a lack of a struggle and there's so little blood the surgical precision with which he had been cut suggested that robert had not moved at all when he was stabbed there were no traces of drugs in robert's system according to the autopsy report huh that makes as, sense. As the men are interviewed separately, more information comes out, but their stories are the same. With conspiracy on their minds, police's approach to interrogation was to get one of them to turn on the other two, but this had limited success. According to investigators, Joe was the stereotypical lawyer, loud, fast-talking, quick-witted, etc. He was clearly the dominant personality. His spouse, Victor, was quiet, and Dylan appeared to be the third wheel, which is, it checks out because Dylan, I believe, joined the relationship later. Okay. Like Joe and Victor had been long-term partners. Police questioned whether Joe, Victor, and Dylan's polyamorous relationship had anything to do with why Robert had been in the house, but they all denied it, saying that Robert was straight and happily married, and his friends assert to this fact as well. This is where the case gets problematic and the trial gets more complicated. The investigators have a hard time accepting this story. In their minds, why would a, quote, perfectly straight man stay overnight at the house of three gay men, saying, quote, that's not something a straight guy would do. This line hmm. of questioning would come back to bite the detectives in the ass because it basically undermined their case. Yeah. Ernie Grimm, the defense attorney, pointed out the obvious bias here. This assumption was made 
by three separate detectives even questioning Joe as to whether or not he had a crush on Robert, implying that a friendship between a gay man and a straight man is not possible. Look, I'm not saying that their behavior is not suspicious, but this whole thing rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, well, I mean, when was this? 2006. I mean, people might have thought differently, but at the yeah, same time... Yeah, gay marriage wasn't legal yet. Gay men and straight men can be, can be happily friends. Right? Wrong with it. When was but gay marriage it is kind of a weird thing for those people to come and come to that conclusion three different times, but also, like, that doesn't really help their um, their case at all, for sure. Yeah. Let me see. Given the fact that the truth is anybody can be friends. Yeah. Same-sex marriage was made legal in D.C. in on March 3rd, 2010, so it was not legal yet. So that there's a, I'm, I'm not saying homophobia went away when that happened. Obviously it didn't, but right. Um, yeah, no, there was like a definite bias there and they just assumed automatically that it was sexually, it was, I mean, you can't, well, you can't rule it out, but then again, you no, can't really find it out assaulted. that it's right. You can't rule it out that maybe he was, um, yeah attracted to them or something or was trying to, or they were attracted to him and he rejected them. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. So, but it's, probably I don't, talk about it. I think there are more appropriate ways to ask that question. Yeah. And just assuming that Joe had a crush on him is just like fucked up. Right. Also the assumption that he wouldn't be staying at their house if he was straight. That's crazy. Whatever. It is crazy. But So the most widely accepted theory is that the three men committed the murder, then conspired to cover it up and hinder the investigation. According to the documentary I watched on Peacock, which is an amazing documentary, by the way, the police found trace amounts of blood in two locations in the home, but they were unable to investigate them sufficiently to determine if Price, Saborski, and Ward had allegedly cleaned up the scene. Bring me up to speed on what a luminol photo is. Oh, yeah. So luminol is a test um, where they spray this fluid on a surface, a wall, a knife, a cotton swab, a floor, whatever, and they can see that blood has been there even if it's been cleaned up, even with bleach. Oh, cool. So, so they can see trace the whole like black light thing? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they had luminol photos, and I don't remember if that was this case or I'm I read about so many murders, I don't know. <laughs> it might be blurring together. Because right, blood isn't it. the it's not blood that glows in, it, under a black light. It's the luminol that attaches the luminol to- that blows. That yeah. that blows. The The luminol that (laughs) glows. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Robert appeared well-liked. He was successful. He was happily married. He had no criminal history or involvement, no affairs, no drug problems, no nothing. It begs the question, why would somebody murder Robert Wan? And that is a question we will answer next week. Wow. That's cool. I'm I'm really interested... I don't... I've never heard about this case, but I, I guarantee you they had to do something. I bet they cleaned him up something something's not something's not i think your shower theories likely Ooh, well it's technically it's it's not solved so right oh we don't well, know. that kind of sucks but it definitely sucks it's it's a weird case and everybody who was talking on the documentary like all the talking heads who had worked on the investigation they were talking about how this case this is the one that keeps them up at night mm. Because hopefully, it's so weird. I think yeah, these hopefully they saw it soon. By next week. Yeah. 
But anyway, that's my theory. And, and go, friends, I guess we'll all figure that out, to, out next week in yeah. Grace's part two. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I forgot you still had to go. Let's <laughs> let's let you go too. Oh yeah, I gotta I gotta do my do my mystery, man. Hopefully that wasn't too long. I no, that's good. Four pages. Yeah. So I think it I think it was about like fifty minutes. Pretty good. Counting yeah, that is intro. that's low for me. So that's good. All right, I have a urban legend today. Ooh, okay. So, um, I know you didn't grow up in the country. I didn't. Um, but there's, there's something that's kind of been, um, in popular culture and something that's been told to us a lot of the times and been regarded to as like a, a truth, but it's actually an urban legend. And I just realized this while I was, I think I was watching like, uh, two Bears, One Cave with Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. Okay. And he had brought, uh, Burt Kreischer brought it up and um, illuminated that it was, it's it's a myth. Like, it, it's not actually true. Can and, I um, can I pause just for ahead. a second? Burt Kreischer is the guy that I was talking about that one night at Trivia that we were trying to guess the other guy's name. And I was like, is he from your mom's house? And he's like, and you said no. And I said, that's yeah. what I was thinking of is that not yep. your mom's house yeah Bert okay yeah. that's all i have to say right that's who i was thinking of <laughs> yeah no Bert kreischer's the he's, he's got a big belly he does yeah. the machine story yeah um yeah that's i figured that's who you were talking about but you just didn't know the name right anyway any hoodles um but yeah he had brought up the notion that um this particular phenomenon was fake and of course all of you people who grew up in a rural area or just people who grew up knowing things like Grace is about, Grace is about to know. But uh, my urban legend today is cow tipping. What? I know what you cow tipping of, is. You ever heard yeah. of cow tipping? Yeah. Well, take it away. What do you think it is? Well, it's when kids, it's usually like a prank, right? It would sneak mm-hmm. onto a farm and like tip a cow over. But I don't think you can do that. Yeah. While it's sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Right. Maybe or just like sneak up behind it. In, it. Like, I don't know. Movies and stuff. But yeah. Apparently, it's like rumored to occur in like at night in rural communities and um, has like cap honestly captivated the imagination of both skeptics and believers alike. <laughs> How did you pick? How did you pick this? <laughs> I picked it because I I was floored. I didn't. I I guess I never really thought that. Cow tipping wasn't real, but I've never done it. I don't know. That's so, so funny. Okay. All right. Yeah, you're right. Um, the legend goes that mischievous thrill seekers, probably typically teenagers or whatever, yeah. like I went Sasquatch hunting and other people go to cow tipping. <laughs> um, they venture into pastures under the cover of night, stealthily approaching unsuspecting cows. And then <laughs> with a unified force, they push over the gentle giants, leaving them befuddled and bewildered. Gentle John. Many claim to have participated in or witnessed. Couldn't you kill a cow doing that or like seriously Um, injure it? That seems like really. You know what? We'll get into that actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there's a couple like agrarian or uh, agricultural facts that I have some, some animal animal, uh, husbandry for you. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. It's, 
riveting. Anyway, many many claim to have participated in or witnessed cow tipping, while others dismiss it as nothing more than an elaborate prank or a tall tale. One thing is for certain, ghoul friends, there's a widespread fascination with this urban legend. I hope, but I thought it was cool. Okay. So, let me let me geek out a little bit. The legend of cow tipping. Um, <laughs> I think I might have. That's just so crazy. Just that sentence. The legend of cow tipping. Um, seems to have merged in like you know rural communities where cows are a common sight. You know, typically livestock communities, or I mean, even where I grew up, it's not necessarily a giant like farming place, or it's like not Kansas where it's like super flat or whatever. But there was definitely cows around, so that might be why I heard it. And, and it's likely originated as like a a playful yarn, so to speak, to enter, entertain and scare, you know, young kids and stuff. Or just to be like, hey, you, you, you boy, young boys going cow tipping? Yeah, okay. It's like, uh, another one is like snipe hunting. You ever heard that? Going snipe <laughs> hunting? That was something uh, some of the older Boy Scouts had told, told us that they wanted us to go do, to find the legendary snipe bird that, I don't know. They were oh like, my god, was, have you what? ever seen Up? The Disney movie? No. Does do they talk about it? The little yeah, the little kid who's a Boy Scout. He yeah. goes here, snipe, 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 and he keeps doing it. And oh. I thought he just made it up. No, I think it's the Boy Scout thing. They make they make That's young so funny. scouts go get a go snipe hunting, and they also find try to find the, like a left handed smoke shifter. You ever heard that? No. Like go to the next campsite over and ask them if they got a left handed smoke shifter. It's not real, right? <laughs> Hazing. It's one of the. It's one of those things of just like, yeah, go go embarrass yourself because you're just gonna say random stuff. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, but biologists and veterinarians agree that tipping a cow would be incredibly challenging and potentially dangerous. Yeah. Cows are large, sturdy animals, and they have a low center of gravity, much like Grace. <laughs> Making yes, tipping true. them over. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, built, yeah. I was built to milk a cow for sure. Sure. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't know where your center of gravity is, but it's none of your business. You'll never you're know. Female, so. That's between a woman and her doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Every every woman at the age of whatever finds out how low their center of gravity is. Ask and your doctor when... where to find your center of gravity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, doctors are still trying to find it. True. So they have a low center of gravity, making tipping them over almost physically impossible for a human, even with a group effort, actually. Um, cattle may need to be de deliberately thrown or tipped over for certain types of husbandry practices and medical treatment, however. Thrown? That it thrown said? or tipped. I, it depends on how, what you're really trying to mean. <laughs> Someone's just like, ah, yeah. just some <laughs> Some animal <laughs> husband. <laughs> We're just launching cows over here. <laughs> There's a, there's a quick way and a slow More way. Cows. Get, there's a quick way and a slow way to get your cows into the corral, introducing the cow cannon. Just launch them across state the lines. The cow cannon. State lines. Then mm. it's a felony. Then it's a felony, yeah. So, but whenever <laughs> they so have fun. to get tipped over, <laughs> I like the dead air. The dead air a was long good. pause. I hate it. Dead air was nice. Um, basically whenever you tip a cow over, 
for medical pr- uh, purposes, this is called casting. You're casting the cow. Not castrating? Not castrating. Different. But that, you know, you do cast the cow so that you can uh, perform surgeries and other things like that. Um, that would make sense. Yeah. Right. Why don't they Hydraulic- just drink it and it just drops? Because that'd be more exciting. Well, then you've got like a dead weight cow. Like, just, <laughs> Well, just they would drink it where, it where they need to do the... The yeah, they, they draw a circle in the sand and say, here, hit them with it. And plus, drinks take a little while to get, like, online, so I don't get know. online. Anyway, I, yeah, okay. I'm, not a, I'm not a farmer, but I, I could see, I could see. But you know all the terminology. I know. Well, I, I, I researched it. Okay. And they have these special hydraulic tilt tables for adult cattle, and they've existed since the 1970s. And are designed to lift like the cat the cow up and tilt it on its side um, to enable veterinary care. It's almost like you 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 put them in this like panini press, this vertical panini press, and it squeezes them, and then it just kind of like tips them over and holds them like on their side. You know what? I need one of those for getting off the couch because when it's really late at night and I'm just so exhausted, my bedroom is like fifteen feet away, and I cannot get up. So I need a hydraulic panini press. That's what me. you need. You need a hydraulic tilt table for real. Yes. For real, um, for real. But unlike horses, cows generally do not co- cooperate with a, a farrier <laughs> when standing. And a farrier is like someone that um, sh- uh, shoes horses. So, shoes? you know, like shoes, like puts the horseshoes on horses, like little metal horseshoes. Oh, I thought you said shoes. I was like no, a horse shoes. eater. We're talking about a horse eater. New shoes. And it's like, because uh, you'll just get yeeted by a cow hoof. Like, you just get obliterated. They'll right. kick you so hard. Right. And so, they're not typical, like, they're not like horses. They don't let people, like, <laughs> in around them. So, they don't really I told want you, to mess with their toesies. I told you my one student said bageled. Bageled? Yeah. Yeah, you would get pretty bageled if you got hit <laughs> with a cow hoof. Like, you got kicked. Yeah. It's a pretty fast way to be bageled. He'd be happy to know we're saying that. I bet he would be. Um, A Canadian veterinarian explained, we don't know which one, but someone in Canada, um, (laughs) using the table is much safer and easier than trying to get underneath to examine the the animal. And noted that cows who are tipped over on a hydraulic tilt table, which is usually padded, usually stop struggling and become calm fairly quickly. Uh. So... Well, what yeah, it's like those thunder coats for dogs. Yeah, they just they just accept their fate. They're like, man, now I'm in the panini press. I'm just gonna go. To bed. <laughs> man, Meanwhile, these, these, that's like, what they teach their young. These wide-eyed Canadian veterinarians just slowly creeping up on them. Terrible times. <laughs> Terrible, time. dark times. So, you mentioned earlier that cows can sometimes get in a bad way, right? Maybe fall over. Yeah. So cows may inadvertently tip themselves due to their bulk and relatively short legs. Same. Cattle, <laughs> cattle can't roll over. Um, Same. Those those cattle that lie down and roll roll to their sides with their feet pointing uphill may become stuck and unable to rise without assistance and Same. with potential fatal results. Meaning, like you know, they're like if they fell downhill and just kind of slid a little bit, they, they can't get stuck. back up because all their weights like rolling downhill. 
That's hilarious. It's not. It's terrible. But well, also, that's why I don't do yoga, because I'd get stuck. You'd get stuck. Well, you have to do it, find a really flat area. Don't tell me how to do yoga. I'm trying to save your life here. Okay, go ahead. In one documented case of real-life cow tipping, a pregnant cow rolled into a gully in New Hampshire and became trapped in an inadvertent state until rescued by volunteer firefighters. So just picture some like shirtless volunteer firefighters just like grabbing okay, your, I'm there. your cow legs and just oh. rolling you back over. My? Why is it be my cow legs? Well, just picture you're a pregnant cow. <laughs> okay, I'm already there. Like, if I was no. a pregnant cow rolled into a gully in New Hampshire and some sweaty firemen came and rolled me over, I'd be pretty happy. What is the citizen name for New Ham- citizens of New Hampshire? I don't know. Okay. New Hampshire. New Hampshireites? Hobbits. Because they're from the New Hampshire. That's stupid. Yeah. Well, all I'm really saying here is that like cows that, you know, roll downhill, they can be uh, rolled to where they uh, like rolled to where their feet are facing downhill and then they can get up. Gotcha. So if you ever see a cow, you know, and it's like in a bad way, just go roll it over. In a bad way. It is a New Hampshireite. New Hampshireite? Yeah. Wow. New Hampshireite. All alternatively, it is New Hampshireman, New Hampshire woman, Granite Stater, or Granite Boys. Granite Boys. That's a crazy mi- one, honestly. Are there mines there or something? What does that mean? I don't know. Granite? Man, maybe it's like one of the biggest states for granite or something. Or maybe we always take New Hampshire for granted. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Clark isn't even born yet. What are you, what are you insinuating? You saying, I got saying jokes? that was a dad joke. It could be. It's like you saying, oh, it's from their hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah. The concept of cow tipping apparently <laughs> developed in the 1970s. Uh, though tales of animals that cannot rise if they fall has historical records dating to the Roman Empire. Same. So people been people been saying this a lot. Yep. Our good boy uh, JC, um, you know what I'm talking about? Jesus Christ. Julius Caesar recorded a belief <laughs> that European elk had no knee joints and could not get up if if they fell down. Which that that's just false. Oh my I, God! Same. JC had it wrong. This is same for all of these things are just me. You're just, you're, you're a four-legged animal. Next week we'll be discussing grace tipping. And I can only be rescued by shirtless firefighters. I will accept no other rescuers. Thank you. Yeah. And Grace is going to do that episode by herself. (laughs) (laughs) It's an, it's kind of an autobiography moment. New podcast out called Grace Tipping. I'm not accepting a ghost. Everything that would tip Grace over. I don't know. Weird. Anyway, in what do you call it? 1255? 1255? 1255. In 1255, Louis Louis the Ninth of France. It's a numeral. It's IX. It's got to be Louis the Ninth. Anyway, of France, he gave an elephant to Henry III of England, 
for his menagerie, which I had to look that one up. I was like, what are we talking about? It's like a um, zoo. Like yeah. A, yeah. But I, I didn't really get that. It's like an exhibition or like a, like a grouping, a zoo. It's a just gathering. like a big fucking collection of animals. Yeah, wild. Anyway, yeah. so he donated to his like personal zoo, gave him, a, gave him a freaking elephant, which in 1255, like you're getting an elephant, loading it up on a truck or a boat. Probably no, they're using the hydraulic panini press. Yes, they, they loaded on the hydraulic tilt table. How do they do vet, veterinary care on an elephant? I don't think you did. I or think giraffe. you were just like... No, I'm just me. saying now. How do they do that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a bigger hydraulic tilt table. You know giraffes are the only animals without vocal cords? Well, that's sad. They have no ma- they have a mouth but yet no vo- vocal sc- they vocal have cords. no sound they can't make any sound and yet they must scream think about all the shit that giraffes have to say think about all the can't. animated giraffes that we've ever seen in movies and they talk and it's just bullshit it's all a lie <laughs> it's all a lie <laughs> yeah David Schwimmer voiced <laughs> the one from Madagascar. What a mm. weird decision. I mean, hilarious. That movie's so Weird funny. decision to give a voice to an animal that's voiceless. No. I'm all about giving a voice to the voiceless, but giraffes, giraffes maybe were... Like, I don't want to know what a giraffe would have to say. I would hope time. that they had a very deep voice. Like, their vocal cords were so stretched out and long due to their neck being so long that mm. it's, like, deeper than a whale's voice. <laughs> Just like, hey... <laughs> Like, it's just, like, constant, um, get away from me with that needle. I don't need your hydraulic lift table. You know what freaks me out the most about that is I can hear your regular voice, too. So it's, like, double speak. It's terrifying. <laughs> good. Hopefully that comes through good or we'll just cut that joke out. But... It sounds scary. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, the voice to the voiceless. You gotta love it. Anyway, um... Yeah, so we gave him a freaking elephant for his menagerie in the Tower of London. And, uh, you know, scholars were, like, in accompanying, like, texts or whatever, written in, the, like, Cambridge or Corpus Christi or whatever. Um, they, You know, the people that define elephant lore back then. Right. Um, they suggested that elephants did not have knees and were an- unable to get up if they fell. I mean, have you ever seen a video of an elephant? Yeah, they can kneel. You can, like, very clearly watch them, like, they bend, bend their, their legs. They're not, yeah. like, they're not, like, even dogs can bend, but, Look, but like, the they're medieval the dogs who walk like this. Wild. Exactly. Like, legs. Like, they, they all just sound like Mr. Krabs. <laughs> like, just got Mr. Crab legs. Like, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> exactly. Is that right? Mr. Crab sound. I can't make that sound. I can't either. I need like a, I need like a, <laughs> an instrument to make that noise. Like that's one of those like things people do on like a. a See, that's a board. why you need a soundboard. Yeah, exactly. I need, I need Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs walking on on. Scuttling. Scuttling. But uh, yeah. So I don't know. The High Middle Ages are weird. People were just like things didn't have knees for some reason. Hmm. Um, but bouncing a little forward in time, journalists. Jake Steelhammer believes. Shut the, the fuck up! That's such a cool name. <laughs> I love it. I hope he. I hope he didn't choose that. I hope his name is actually Jake Steel. This is his government name is Jake Steelhammer. When I his Christian name. When I die, put Jake Steelhammer on my headstone. 
And if I die unmarried, God help me. Right. <laughs> Loving wife of Jake Steelhammer. Yeah, here lies the lovely wife of Jake Steelhammer. Un- unnamed. Uh, you, you don't need a name when you're the wife of Jake Steelhammer. You're just Ste- you're just Steelhammer's wife. I'm Mrs. Jake Steelhammer. <laughs> Steelhammer, I barely know her. Anyway, you know, he sounds credible with a name like that. He believes that the urban myth of cow tipping originated in the 1970s, and it stampeded into the 80s, he says. When movies like Tommy Boy and Heathers feature Tao... Oh, Tao Tippin'. Tao Kippin'. Tao Kippin'. <laughs> cow tipping expeditions, which, you know, it is an adventure to gather all your buds around and go try to mess with a bovine animal. Ooh. Nice turn right. there. Some more, some more lovely cow facts, which I, I honestly think cow facts. Cows are pretty sweet. I mean, they taste good. They got milk. Um, they're cute animals. They have cool, cool faces. They look, they look very nice. But uh, cows routinely lie down and can easily regain their footing unless sick or injured. Which I probably should have said that in the beginning. Probably. But <laughs> some versions of the urban legend of cow tipping suggest that cows sleep standing up. And it is, a, it is possible to approach them and push them over without the animals reacting because they're sleeping so soundly. However, cows only sleep lightly while standing up, almost like if you were had a long day at work and or you've been working for like two days and you mm. feel like you can sleep standing up. Like That's, when you fall asleep actually, driving. Right. Or you blink and you wake up in your home. It's never happened to me. Never um, happened to me either. Um, right. So... You should talk to the doctor if that has happened to you. No, I think I think it's just the autopilot thing that I got. I got superpowers. Well, it happens to me too, where I'm like, did I just black out for like? I think I'm just so thought like deep in thought because yeah. sometimes I don't listen to music when I, I drive home. I drive, just in drive home in silence. Yeah. What's wrong with us? I don't know. We're freaks. Sometimes I'll. I'm not a music listener actually when I drive. I like drive if I do listen to something, it's an audiobook or yep. sometimes I'll play like a um like a YouTube video or something and just I won't look at it, obviously, yeah. but I'll just like listen to the audio. Sometimes I'll do that. But like usually I drive in silence. I listen to podcasts. Yeah. Which I think that's probably a common thing of people doing. Audiobooks is one podcast the the, the YouTube video thing. I could see people doing that, but the, the, like, I don't want the distraction of like wanting to see something happen in a video. No, it's but, usually something I've seen already. Oh, I got you. Just something of past the time. Something of past the time. Yeah. yeah or well, like I'll play Bob's Burgers. Sometimes I'll do that. <laughs> I don't watch it. I just Bob's listen Burgers to it. Bob's Burgers for the hundredth time. Yes. But you know yeah. that I don't watch it. I'd listen to it. I've listened to every right. Bob's Burgers episode <laughs> at least five times. You you should just like get an audiobook of the script. Mm-hmm. That would probably be something you would be super into for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I should just download the audio like you can if you're blind. Right. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I know I don't know what you're talking about, but I imagine there is something like that. <laughs> Well, you can transcribe or not transcribe it. You can like just listen to the audio of a TV show if you're blind. Oh. I think it's like a special right. feature or something. I don't know. Exactly. Or it's just a TV show with right. the audio. Right. Mean? Yeah, that is possible. I don't you know. Fuck off. Let's keep going. <laughs> you, just turn, you just turn your volume up. 
Like you do when you're blind, just like people who can't see do. All Whatever, things. you never support me. I, you know, I it's I support you when you have good ideas. Oh, tell me about your stupid cows so I can leave. <laughs> yeah, you know, cows would only be sleeping when they're standing up, and they only do it lightly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're easily awakened. So even if you tried to sneak up on a cow that's having a little snooze, a little nappy poo on its four legs. It's going to be like, hey, man, it's going to wake up and be like, why are there bunches of tweens coming at at me from behind? Like, that's just not good. I'm in danger. Um, Because they always just, like, lay down to sleep deeply. Yeah, I thought that horses slept standing up for the longest time, but they don't. That's what I'm saying. There's, like, this this lore, this, like, urban legend things that, like, a lot of those four-legged animals sleep standing up and they... They can, but they don't. <laughs> but say like, I can sleep standing up if I really wanted to. Right. It's like, sure, we could, but, like, I would fall over. But I'll, at the same time. <laughs> I would fall over. Yeah. Well, you can't, like, deep sleep, but you can do the micro-sleeps. Micro-sleeps? Yeah, it's it's a thing that happens when you're driving specifically where you kind of nod off for a second. Oh. But they can be really dangerous. Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to sleep when I'm driving. <laughs> Me neither. I don't want to. But apparently you black out for 45 minutes, so that's a problem. Yeah. Wild. Scientific studies have conduct have been conducted to determine if cow tipping is theoretically possible with varying conclusions. All agree that cows are large animals that are difficult to surprise and will generally resist temp- attempts to be tipped. Same. I like that. They're Same. Just like, they're just like, hey, no, stop. And then just like run Fuck away. Yeah, you know, they're like, stop trying to push me over. What are you doing? Or they just like rip absolute ass to like yeah, get just, you to back off. Just blow you a new airspace. Just yeah. Completely. That's change. the cause of climate change. Yes, they have a nuclear deterrent and it's their gas. <laughs> nuclear deterrent. Wow. Okay. They, they push the don't want button and it just, they just fart all over you. <laughs> estimates uh estimates oh god estimates not estimates estimates i like broke my brain estimates estimates suggest a force between 670 and 900 pounds of force is needed to tip a cow over whoa and at least four possibly as many as 14 people would be required to achieve this Especially given the fact that they're going to resist being tipped over. So yeah. you have to come at them with a pretty good, like almost like a football team of, of men to just come and just wreck it, just totally bagel a cow. <laughs> but they're going to have to catch it by surprise before, you know, the cow just starts taking people out. Right. <laughs> which I thought was pretty crazy. Taking people out. Yeah, um, that is that is crazy that it takes that much weight. How did, like, even the slightest Google search could tell you this isn't true, but I think we just all accepted it. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was something that, like, you know, the movies of, like, Barnyard, and I feel like Disney probably lied to us. Pixar yeah, definitely Pixar lied to us. Pixar with cars, because they yeah. did tractor tipping. <laughs> exactly. It, it kind of reinforced a lot of the stuff that, like, oh, yeah, this is something that we do. Something that happens. But it's not. It's, it's apparently just not possible. Mm. Um, unless you're using, you know machines and stuff but you know what is possible what drunk people doing crazy stuff oh so pranksters have sometimes pushed over artificial cows 
Um, along Chicago's Michigan Avenue in 1999, two apparently drunk men, which I think we could just change to drunk men. Um, <laughs> I'm apparently drunk. They were drunk. They, they felled six fiberglass cows that were a part of a Cows on Parade public art exhibit. So they just... And they at didn't night, like weld them, them to the ground or something if it was like an exhibit. You know what? Great idea. Yeah. Great idea. But no, they didn't. They were able to just come and wreak havoc on this uh, Cows on Parade public art exhibit. Which, what what an art exhibit. <laughs> I mean. Aim. It probably like raises money for farming or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. Some sort of. Some sort of agenda here, but four other vandals removed a wow cow sculpture, and that's the title of it, from its lifeguard chair at Oak Street Beach and abandoned it in a pedestrian underpass a few years later. Sure. A year later, New York City anchored its cow parade art cows, including a street cow named Desire, to concrete (gasps) bases to prevent the utter disrespect of cow tippers and thieves. Did you write the utter disrespect? Because that's that hilarious. Quote. Oh my god, that's so funny. That was a quote. So they did it themselves. Street but... cow named Desire. Yeah, after <laughs> hearing awesome. the, the escapade and the absolute fiasco that happened on Michigan Avenue in Chicago in 1999, they were like, you know what? Concrete bases are the way to go for these cows. Right. Concrete bases. So yeah, but if <laughs> the they were real cows. For these cows, they have like a strategy meeting. <laughs> I guess so. New York City people are just elite, apparently. They, they just know they know that the New York City people True. Um, are just going to mess with these cows, and so they were like, you know what, we gotta we gotta bolt these suckers to the floor. Meanwhile, we're not going to have these cows for too long. We have yeah, but they don't have dumpsters, so they're behind. They don't have oh, they just have trash cans, don't they? Yeah, because New York City doesn't have alleys. I'm sure there what? are some alleys. I was like, that's that's crazy, though. Are you yeah, serious? Yeah, but they don't have dumpsters. They just put their trash on the street. For real. Oh, but like saying there's no alleys. Saying there's no alleys in New York City sounds like... Well, I'm saying there's no legend. place to put a dumpster. I'm not saying there are none at all. I'm just saying I heard there's that no somewhere. There's no alleys in, North, in New York City. <laughs> I really? heard that somewhere. Yeah. But there's no good place for them. To put their I'm sure there are alleys. There's no good place to put a dumpster because all the buildings are packed in there so tight. Right, that makes sense. Like I, in the blocks, I'm to the only where I heard that maybe it wasn't a reliable source. Well, I see what you mean. Is like in the blocks of buildings that are there. If there's not an alley, then there's really nowhere else to put a dumpster. Right, so they need to. Put, so like, they have to put ants. their garbage on the street. Right, yep. that makes sense. I see yeah. that. But that's all I got. That's my wow. case, my mystery. Your case and our mystery. Street cow named Desire. Street cow named Desire. Shout out to wow. JC. Yeah. The OG. Word up. <laughs> cool, friends. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Like and follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at Where Murder Meets Mystery. Email us at Where Murder Meets Mystery. Did I miss anything? At gmail.com. At gmail.com. And that's it. Yeah, we yeah. had a fun one. That was a good one. Fun one. Uh, cow tipping is not real. Tell your dad. <laughs> Tell your dad um, when see you what call he him. Thinks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yes. see what he thinks. Um, 
And then, uh, I don't know, we'll come at you next week, cool friends. Thank you for listening. Yeah, and I can't wait to give you part two. Cool friends, come back next week for part two of Grace's case. It's going to be wild. Yes, and we will see you soon. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.